0: i <laughs> We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where normally uh, the other person doesn't know the story that the other person's going to be talking about. But this time, if you listen to our last episode, you know that I kind of know a little bit about what Sean's going to be talking about, which is kind of like the last time you told the story, I sort of knew a little bit about a league of their own, which I also yeah. wanted to kind of go back to quickly because i feel like my point at the end was terribly made (laughs) you you summed it up much better after the
1: podcast was over and i was like dude why didn't you just say that i know
0: i know my point was about her being a crybaby uh kit that is being a crybaby is like i was talking about how she's always like blaming Dottie for like her her problems or whatever she's having instead of just like you know Focusing on the fact that she's a good pitcher, like just go out there and yeah. pitch good, you know. So yeah. and I think Max. that and Max. I and I think that she selfishly ran through the third base for her own ego and got lucky. But it really,
1: uh, you really hold you hold on. This is like a month later, dude. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's uh, get back to our Black History Month stories. Never mind a league of their own. Uh, well, we
1: could throw back to that uh, the the AAGPBL uh, two episodes, also by Annika Orox's book, uh, "The Incredible Women of the All American Professional Girls Professional Baseball League." Uh, definitely check that one out. Uh, but yeah, we are in uh, Black History Month. I have the story today, and yeah, you uh, you don't you might not know what's coming, but but you kind of know what's coming.
0: Yeah, I, I well I sort of almost. I grazed your story in you, you uh, the just, last episode. And I guess you, I kind of revealed to myself what the topic is, but I'll say, I, I really don't know anything about one uh, Emmett Ashford.
1: Well, other, you're about
0: uh, to find other out other than what I said in the last
1: episode. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Uh, so like should we just do this? Like well, yeah, the, do we did, we never do the social media, like follow us, social media, <laughs> right. Twitter at doing baseball. Instagram at doing dot baseball, uh, some cool baseball history stuff on there. I've been trying to tweet a little bit more and you've been good with the Instagram. So anyways, let's do this. Uh, this is a, this is a happy story. JP, if you're out there listening, happy, this is happy. Um, (laughs) We're going for it. It's not a heartbreaker. So uh, Let's hear it. Emmett Littleton Ashford was born November 23rd, 1914 in Los Angeles, California. And at the time, nobody would guess the barriers he would break in the game of baseball. Emmett's father, Littleton Ashford, was a police officer. Uh, and his mother, Adele, was the daughter of one of the first families to colonize Los Angeles. She was a secretary and writer for the California Eagle, a paper founded by Strelletta Bass, a civil rights activist. The paper was a major player in the black community in California, and the paper employed many black activists and reformers uh, who spoke out about inequality, racism, uh, and lots of stuff like just racism towards black people at the time. So, this is California, like, yeah, 1914, he's born. Um, Littleton and uh, Dale ended up divorcing, so Emmett is raised by just his mother as well. Uh, he's got a younger brother, Wilbur. Uh, Emmett was mm-hmm. sent to San Francisco then to live with his aunt, Etty and his uncle, Willie, Fowler. So okay. his parents split up. I don't understand why, but he's like sent to live with his yeah, aunt and uncle.
0: So he's sent up north, and I guess his mom's still working at the paper?
1: Yeah. Okay. So... Emmett had to work from a young age to support his family. Uh, he took a job at a local supermarket, uh, shoe shiner, and uh, yeah, also a magazine salesman too. And he was pretty good at all this stuff. Like you talked about, uh, like being the first cashier at the supermarket, which was like not allowed normally back in those days. Like mm-hmm. black people handling money, like it was pretty fucked up. He um, was so, probably
0: a, a polite guy. Yes, he was sort of bright as well.
1: Yeah, so he was a bright young man. He was co-editor of the school newspaper and senior class president at Jefferson High School. At 16, he would even write a regular column in the California Eagle, the same paper that his mom wrote for. Uh, He -hmm. was the first ever black senior class president. Yeah, he said that. And he went on to attend uh, L.A. Junior College as well as Chapman University. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's making waves. Uh, he's smart. Uh, throughout all of this, Ashford played baseball as well, and he was a great athlete. Also doing track and field in high school, uh, he wasn't fast enough for the track team at Chapman, so he decided just to focus on baseball. Probably, uh, it was not in the cards uh, for. Ba- yeah, way. it was probably not in the cards for him. Uh, but he finished college and he took the civil servants exam, scoring very high and earned a coveted job as a clerk at the post office. So he's just like, ah, oh, well, whatever. But he keeps playing, uh, even though he's got this job that's like really stable with like benefits and all that. Like it's a really good job at the time to work at the post office. Yeah. Uh, so even with the the day job, Ashford kept playing baseball on the weekends. He played on a semi-pro team uh, at first in center field uh, before moving to second base. Cause apparently he didn't have the arm for the outfield uh and the team was called the mystery nine <laughs> they had a question mark as like their logo that's awesome like yeah it was kind of uh it was he was the only black player on this team so okay
0: and this is like in his 20s i'm guessing
1: yeah yeah this is in the 1930s but it's out in like la so things are a little bit more integrated though even though it's like okay. so he finds this way managing to play on this white semi-pro team okay um the mystery so nine. Ash. Yeah, so but he wasn't really that good still. Like, he was just never, it didn't sound like he was ever like great at baseball. He was just average, but he liked playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Ashford wasn't regularly in the starting lineup. So, when the umpire didn't show up to a game one Sunday in 1941,
0: so this mystery nine had more than nine, obviously.
1: They did, yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Sunday, 1941, uh, ump doesn't show. So they're like, yo, play. So, or er, ump, and he's just like, he resisted because he knew he wouldn't have a chance to play at all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're umpiring the game, you don't get to play. You could throw a bunch of guys out. Yeah, but still. <laughs> uh, so he eventually caves, though, and they're just like, come on, like, you're not going to play anyways. Yeah, yeah. you suck. Yeah. yeah. So you better umpire. So he umped the game in green slacks, two-tone shoes, and a green sports coat. Uh game this slacks, was a huge two moment.
0: shoes and a green sports coat. Amazing.
1: He's, yeah, exactly. He's dressed up. Um, this is he a was huge gonna moment. play in that? No, like well, I <laughs> guess they couldn't have him like umpire the game in the <laughs> mystery. I know uniform. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um This was a huge moment in Ashford's life, for soon enough, he realized he was a better umpire than player and played the part for the audience. I gave them a little showmanship, and the crowd loved it, he later recalled. Uh, He was very energetic, umpiring, sprinting everywhere to get to position, calling balls and strike with a passionate, high-spirited manner. One sports writer later compared to a French prosecutor shouting, Jacuzé! So... Yeah, in, he was just in, going for in,
0: it intensely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So soon enough, uh, Ashford was busy umpiring recreational and softball uh, outside of his job at the post office, but not without resistance, though. So basically, he's, he's resistant. Exactly. So he he's umpiring, and after like a few games of umpiring, they're like, you really need to like go to the city recreational department and like get accredited for this because it's like a real thing. Um, so he was like, okay. So when he told the city secretary that he wanted an application to be an umpire, she was confused. Um, so she got the director of recreation to talk with Ashford. Why was she confused? So seems she pretty had, straightforward. He had never had a black man ask for a umpiring application. Well, that's, before.
0: Com- that's confusing enough to get the manager.
1: Yeah. Okay. So she gets the, like of the whole department. Uh, right. so the director of the recreational department, he tries to dissuade Ashford. Um, but Ashford just was like, fuck you. I'm, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Uh, so he filled out the application and became Ooh, an umpire. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. And he got it. All right. Yeah, he did. He did. So this is in 1941. Uh, he was just like, you know what? I want to do this. Like, why can't I do this? I have money. So we, Here's money. Yeah. He even he, he bought a cap as well. That was that was what he like. Look, this I guy bought lit. a cap. The cap is yeah, here. Like it is yeah, like an umpire cap. I am an umpire. Let's you know, see this yeah. cap. <laughs> <You> see <it>? <laughs> <laughs> um, when World War Two broke out, though, Ashford joined the Navy and spent three years in the service. Uh, he ran a black baseball team on the base uh, that he was stationed at. Also, has some story about like almost dying in a hurricane pretty cool but he was in the caribbean it looked it sounded like for for you just breeze like
0: coming. breeze over that
1: yeah well i'm I sorry almost, I, I, he
0: almost died in the caribbean but uh i'm not gonna no, mention but, that right now
1: <laughs> he almost died in a hurricane that that's that's all you need to know you could look more into he it didn't,
0: he didn't he did by the way so
1: no he didn't <laughs> he didn't the story continues. <laughs> it's not just about the first man to go to the recreational department in L.A., although that... Uh, anyway, so uh, it was umping the... Okay, no, so I'm breaking ahead. Uh, he returned to c- civilian life uh, and his umpiring career took a big step. Uh, he got jobs umping high school games as well as high, uh, eventually college ba- baseball games as well. So right. it was at some of those games that he met Bill Stewart Bill Stewart was a respected umpire in the National League who uh, was also uh, the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> well, <laughs> why, are they, yeah. why are the Blackhawks? The Blackhawks yeah, are all baseball was,
0: guys for some yeah. reason. That's why they didn't win any Stanley
1: Cups for like. They did. He was the one no. that led them to their only Stanley oh. Cup in 1938. Oh my God. Era. Um, (laughs) so he was
0: my logic (laughs) has been debunked
1: (laughs) (laughs) he was there was their one Stanley Cup and I think like
0: the whole 30s and 40s I was about Um, to tell all my friends that this is why the Blackhawks sucked for that whole like 50 years in the beginning it's because they were all baseball players
1: (laughs) no it was because their head coach the only good head coach was actually an umpire (laughs) major league baseball
0: (laughs) anyways carry on this isn't about the blackhawks
1: yeah anyways doesn't matter uh so he was also known uh later in his umpiring career he missed a call in game one of the 1948 world series uh bob feller was pitching another throwback to that episode uh but yeah bob feller was pitching uh and i think it was like a pickoff at second base Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it was like a pickoff at second base. Uh, Bill Stewart missed the call. Uh, I forget who got thrown out, but apparently on his deathbed, he was like, oh, fuck, yeah, man, I was out. <laughs> so Bill Stewart called this guy to what I know, I'm grazing over so much other history. What a weird thing to,
0: like, have to, to like, reveal on your deathbed, though. <laughs> well, hey, it was Bill. A what
1: was his name, Bill? No, Bill didn't. I don't know if it was Bill. I think it was the player that was called safe. So this game one of 1948 World Series, it was one nothing, and this guy got picked off. But Bill Stewart called him safe. He eventually scored, and the Cleveland lost the game one nothing. Uh, They won the world. It doesn't matter. It's not. That's what I'm saying. Like who
0: asked him that on his deathbed and was like, "Hey Bill, what was the call?" (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey, it's just the plug. I'm not telling. So this guy Bill Stewart, uh, he helped Ashford grow as an umpire, and taught him the MLB strike zone. So he's like, yeah, he, he basically takes this guy under his wing. Okay, uh, that's good. Yeah, because you know, clearly Bill Stewart's like just like umpiring in like the off season in California or whatever, like right. where he probably like lived. So it's uh, 1951 now. Uh, Ashford takes a leave of absence from the post office to pursue umpiring he's fucking going for it. It's no longer just like the local shit. Yeah. Uh, But at the time, black players uh, were breaking into the major leagues, but like there was no black umpires in pro baseball in Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. So it's 1951. It's four years after uh, Jackie Robinson has broken the color barrier. And it's still like, it's probably at this point, like just as impossible as it would have seemed like, 10 years earlier for Jackie Robinson, as it does for any black umpire to even like get to be a minor league umpire. Mm -hmm. So in 1951, he takes a leave of absence. His first stop, he gets a real job, kind of, it's like a residency. They're like, we'll give you a tryout in the Southwestern international league, uh, becoming the first black umpire in organized baseball. So this is like a C league. Uh, It's in Texas, Arizona, Mexico, in Southern California. So okay. there's Mexican teams in this league. It was actually kind of two leagues that kind of amalgamated for a season. I'm not getting into that whole history behind this league. We're just going to call it that.
0: Hey,
1: um so That's fine. They schedule a trial for him, but it has to be in Mexico cuz he can't we can't have a black man umpire in the United States of like pro baseball. But we'll do it in Mexico. Um that's uh, what they've decided. Okay. 1951. So he embraced during his trial and uh, was offered a job for the full season. So, just like that, Ashford basically left the post office. He asked the post office if he could take an extended leave. Uh, but they were, some was happening. They were just like, nah, bro. And he was just like, all right, I'm just doing it. I'm becoming an umpire. All right. so, so he quits the post office. He quits the post office uh, and goes to work in this like C league to just like, I'm going to be an umpire. His life as the first black professional umpire was not easy. Even in the beginning, as you can guess, he was met with racism everywhere he went in his first game. The fellow umpires refused to ump with him. So he just shows up and like they knew he was coming and they just like walk off, uh, they had to get another ump to, like, come from, like, a few hundred miles away. And it was, like, the dad of a major league ump at the time. That's the whole thing. There's so many history Aren't behind a few hundred miles? Yeah, no, it what took, What time like was hours. the game at? Oh, it, it was probably an afternoon game.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone go home, siesta, we're fucking playing at seven. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. So, fans in, uh, yeah, so that was his first game. So, fans in El Paso berated him uh, for doing a white man's job um uh, but yeah like he won the fans over though like his okay. his like yeah like he eventually like he got stationed in el paso and he was just like fuck this is bad um and he was able to just like use his charisma and i was gonna his, say like, he he's a showman he gave,
0: he gave the crowd what they wanted
1: yeah exactly so uh they're super racist to him and he still does it uh uh, there was another incident like a little bit later where like one of his fellow umpires kept calling him boy and he had to just be like, you know what, dude, I'm going to fucking hurt you if you call me boy one more time. Um, and eventually friend. the guy. Yeah, exactly. It was like, he's like, I don't believe in violence, but like, just like, it was like, I I kick to travel your ass. With, yeah. Like it was like, you're working together as like an umpiring group and it's just like, all right, I got to do so. Um, that was a couple years later though, but some places in Texas and Arizona were segregated and he had a tough time finding accommodations and places to eat. But he also like, once again, he used his charm and stuff. He, one time he was able to just like talk his way into like a nicer, like all whites hotel than like the rest of the umpires had. Cause they were like, well, you can't stay at our hotel. It's whites only. So like, go find your own hotel. And he's just like, I don't like, okay and managed to talk his way into like a nicer hotel somehow, but it was still pretty fucked. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's going through all of this. Well, the fact um, that he
0: had to like talk his way into a nicer hotel is just fucked in itself.
1: Yeah. And like places to eat as well. Right. Yeah. Like he couldn't yeah. eat at the same places as the rest of the umpire crew and stuff. Uh, so yeah. Anyway. So after t- he spent two and a half years doing this, uh, yeah then he goes up to the western international league uh which is actually pretty cool because it's uh it featured a lot of canadian teams at the time like there was like victoria and vancouver and calgary and edmonton
0: oh, uh
1: cool. so you, yeah you got to like drive through like banff and shit uh so it was like oregon That's to edmonton cool. yes yeah. so oregon to edmonton was the the thing uh was the league that'd be um, like the best
0: league to pl- to travel in ever
1: yeah well i mean yeah if you're not driving
0: <laughs> well i guess yeah you like
1: driving i like uh,
0: Yeah. Uh, carry on yeah. this isn't about us uh,
1: yeah exactly so uh as we know now from there one year uh he spent in that that league and then he moved to the pcl so the pacific coast league is like the kind of minor league of the time like it was almost it's own little thing too. Like it was such a good minor league, like Ted Williams played in it. There was a bunch of other players that played in it coming up. Uh, I think only like a couple of the teams were affiliated. So the rest of the teams were kind of, uh, its own thing, like the, the battered bastards of baseball, whatever. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it was a much, much more prestigious league and it was much well paying league. So he's probably finally like making some, like a livable wage doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the PCL teams like were the Los Angeles Angels and the San Diego Padres. So they eventually just became like yeah. MLB team, right. or, like not literally, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Ashford spent twelve years in the PCL, becoming one of the most popular umpires in the league. He was a showman, exuberant, loud, and energetic. Uh, Sometimes he would sprint down the foul lines in between innings to keep his legs moving and would often interact with fans giving speeches. So (laughs) He would lecture them? I don't even know if lecture them. Just talk with them and stuff. And he seemed just like really nice and genuine, but also just like extremely off the walls with energy, like would be crouching behind home plate and be like, well, my legs are tired, so I'm just going to sprint down to the left field foul pole and sprint (laughs) back. So he just... Yeah. Um,
0: that would be entertaining as hell.
1: Yeah. So being the only black I'd like to umpire, see Joe
0: West do that. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so he was the only black Today's umpire.
0: race, we're going to see uh, Vic Carapaza <laughs> and uh, Joe West race to the foul pole for a uh, hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, carry you know, on. So I didn't mean I to would, derail that, but
1: if that was happening at a game and I couldn't watch it at home, I wouldn't go to that game. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: (laughs) Oh, so yeah. He didn't spend a lot of time with his fellow umps. Uh, Obviously it was just like not, but he was able to take in lots of culture and stuff. He he loved opera and theater and he would even like give speeches and clinics on umpiring as well. Uh, So like, like didn't sound like it was too organized, but just like offhand, wherever he went, he like made a bunch of friends that were like all like doctors and lawyers and stuff too. So it was just like fuck you, like other umps that don't like me because of race. Like I'm hanging out with civilized people and mm-hmm. all that. So mm-hmm. uh, in the off season, Ashford refereed Pac-10 basketball and some small college football games as well. He also traveled for this uh, to the south for the winter and umpired in the Caribbean winter leagues so nice yeah just traveling the world yeah he's uh he's basically now just like making his uh living as a referee and umpire um but yeah it was uh lining up everything was like so people are talking about him at this point because the pcl is kind of such a big league uh so there's lots and lots of press uh being like this guy's gonna be the first black umpire in the major leagues, no doubt. He's an all-star. Mm-hmm. Uh so in nineteen sixty he was convinced he was gonna get the call, uh, but it didn't happen. Uh years later he would say someone in the league like nixed the idea, like at the last minute. So yeah. there was all this press about it and just like either way it didn't happen. So he was like, God damn. Uh he was stuck spending the prime his prime years in the minors. Uh he even Looked into getting a real estate license uh, when he felt his dream would never happen. Still, Ashford kept trudging forward, making history. Uh, In 1963, he was named umpire-in-chief of the PCL, so he was responsible for organizing and training all the other umpires, uh, as well for advising the league on any disputed games or rules. So if a game's protest or there's like... He's like the head... He's like the judge of the league. Yeah. So... He's just running shit, but MLB's still not calling. Um, okay. I So I fucked up, apparently, because I have the league hired a second black umpire. Maybe I didn't fuck up. So the league hired a second black umpire, Osa B. Jelks, uh, in 1963. So was that before or after...
0: The the PCL? Yes. That was that was after.
1: But, yeah, that was nineteen fifty-eight or something like that for uh for or, our previous episode. Right.
0: But yeah. that was that was only after his mentor from the school who was umpiring there broke his arm and they were like, Hire this guy for the rest of the season, and he uh, also didn't see that uh you know integration was coming anytime soon and he just stopped after 1959 and went back to Kansas City
1: okay so so, so I assume Osoby what you're J- talking
0: about this person got hired full-time as like a full-time yes. umpire
1: okay yeah that makes sense I'm that assuming makes sense. yeah so also jelks uh, was hired uh, in 63 and the two made history on July 4th 1963 Uh, Third crew member, they were in like groups of three at the time. Uh, He was ill, and Ashford and Jokes became the first all-black umpiring crew in minor league baseball history. Mm, Nice. Yeah. So a famous on-field incident took place in the Dominican Winter League in 1964. Ashford called a strike on local hero and St. Louis Cardinals all-star second baseman Julian Javier javier uh immediately argued the strike i don't know if it's javier or javier uh so ashford was having done (laughs) ashford was having none of it and motioned to the pitcher to throw the next pitch and promptly called strike three so it seems like the batter is just arguing and he was just like fuck like just get back in the box and throw the pitch strike three no matter what yeah no matter what get out of here so ashford <laughs> Javier punched Ashford in the mouth. Oh. And Ashford responded by taking a page out of Tim Hurst's playbook and walloped Javier over the head. Uh, with the mask? With, the, with his face mask, yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Like over the top of the head?
1: Yeah. Like like it sounds like the. Uh, with the padded part? Uh, with the hard part. Ooh. Just, yeah. So Javier. It's better than the face, uh, I guess. Yeah, I think it's Javier. I'm, I'm sorry. It's Javier. Just, I'm yeah. going to say it's Javier. It's Javier. Uh, so, yeah, and he was like a local guy too. So the crowd was pissed. Oh. Um, yeah, but he... What's the high school ice. with that guy? Yeah. <laughs> so he put some <laughs> ice on it. He put some ice on it and uh, and uh, just just kept on humping though. So he gets slugged in the face, beats the guy with his mask, and then just keeps up and finishes the game. Um, I think Javier got three game suspension for that and, and, and a nasty
0: uh, bump on the head
1: yeah but ashford was pissed that he only got three games for it. like he punched the umpire like you can't do that oh yeah yeah so finally in september 1965 <laughs> nearly 25 years after the faithful sunday with the mysteries ashford got the call he had been dreaming about uh Dewey Soriano the president of the PCL who had supported him and promoted him and told Ashford uh, told Ash he called him and he told Ashford that he just sold his contract in the American League. News spread throughout the land and the press were very supportive but like chastised baseball for the amount of time it took to make the move so it sounded like the press had been calling for this for yeah nearly a decade at this point.
0: Well um, according to him if what he says is true, you know, the plan was five years ago or more, and Somebody, yeah, exactly. somebody nixed it.
1: Yeah, so it's long overdue. Uh, at this point, he's in his fifties too, right? So, like, oh really?
0: Oh yeah, yeah I guess 50, so. Yeah, born nineteen fourteen. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, it's, it's twenty five years later, uh, or nearly twenty five years later. So um, Soriano claimed uh, the league president. The only reason Emmett was not brought up to the majors sooner was because he was colored. Soriano uh, elaborated, Emmett was very popular wherever he went and the, with the players and fans. Uh, I've known him since 1953, and, it's, and it is an all-out total effort, not showboating at all. Uh, with more Emmett Ashford's baseball games would be better run and a lot more fun for fans. I didn't make him umpire-in-chief his last three years out here for comedy So He's mm. just basically Being like Yeah He's just Going he's to bat just, for him And Yeah
0: Saying This should have been This has been a long time coming
1: Yeah Ashford worked Spring training uh, Heading back to Arizona Where he had Umped At the early part of his career His exuberance And boisterousness Behind the plate Made him a favorite Of the fans uh, With his loud Steer I love it Heard in every corner Of the stadium yeah, so I wonder. I wonder what my uh, the people that live downstairs are thinking right now. <laughs>
0: uh, Sean's upset uh, about something labor related. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> His first game in the majors was on April 9, nineteen sixty six, in Washington D.C. Even with all the obstacles he had faced to get to this point. He had one last hurdle to jump. The Secret Service. Excuse me? So Vice President Hubert Humphrey was in attendance to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. The Secret Service oh, okay. was posted at every entrance uh, to look out for trouble, including the, the like player's parking lot or whatever, wherever right. uh, he's coming in.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, when Ashford arrived with his oh, wife no. in a cab, the agent didn't believe him. So basically the cab driver's like I got the umpire Can you here. show him the cap? <laughs> <laughs> i wor- worked at the at the office. <laughs> <laughs> so the secret service agent says who are you trying to who are you trying to kid? Uh, the cab driver repeated that's right I've got one of the umpires. The agent responded there are no negro umpires in the major leagues. Ashford then piped up from the back seat. Well, there will be a Negro umpire in the American League if you let me in the ballpark.
0: I feel like that wasn't a smart thing to say.
1: It worked. It worked? Yeah. All right. He gets, he, managed to, he got in, uh, but the Secret Service agent was just like, you're lying, and he had to, obviously somebody was probably there to, to help him. Someone
0: vouched him. Someone vouched yeah. for him.
1: But, yeah, the Secret Service would not believe that there was a black umpire. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Ashford then... uh, Yeah, so Ashford was stationed at third base. Uh, He didn't have to make many calls that that day, uh, but remembered it was the greatest day of his life. Nearly two decades after Jackie Robinson had broken the color barrier for players, Emmett Ashford had done the same for umpires. Ashford's energetic style of umping took the American League by storm. Nobody had ever seen such a lively and loud umpire racing after foul balls, sprinting into his position at the start of the inning. Like, they talked about him like jumping the mound. Like, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I so, feel like I might have seen uh, footage of this guy, but I'm definitely going to try and look some up because it sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. So the Sporting News wrote, for the first time in history of the grand old American game, Baseball fans may buy a ticket to watch an umpire perform. Ashford was loud and had a jerky motion calling strikes behind the plate, reaching out with his right arm like a karate chop, up and down, up and down, <laughs> before finishing by closing his fists and pumping like he was like doing the train horn. Yeah. So he was like karate chop, like up, down, uh, really getting into it. Um, so like he he
0: comes, he'd like do a bunch of chops before he'd like actually do the fists for like the out. Yeah, yeah. he's like the so Nomar like Garcia of umpires. Like,
1: yeah, so chop chop down down. I think that's I think that's how it went. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's how I was. I'm reading it. That's what I wrote. Um have had <laughs> different
0: variations based on the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it's like a truck horn. That's yeah. what I so. <laughs> When he when he when he calls you out on a strike, complained one player after a typically emotive Ashford punch out, You feel like you're he's standing. You feel like he's sending you to the electric chair. So when he calls you out on third strike, it feels like you're going to the electric chair. That like,
0: seems like an this, extreme analogy, but
1: yeah. okay. Uh, I never went to umpiring school because they didn't accept blacks in those days. So I developed my own style of officiating," he said. "So okay, it, good friend. He was quick. He was quick to f- follow foul balls. And Frank Robinson once quipped that Ashford got a better jump uh, on the ball than the Orioles center fielder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so apparently uh, that's not true. He tried to play, and it it didn't work out. So
1: <laughs> uh, Orioles catcher and the Oh man, Etchabaron. I <laughs> so, can't uh, help
0: you on that one, buddy.
1: Yeah, it's E T C H E B A R R E N. I really gotta read this before I <laughs> work out the names next time. Etchabaron. Let's um Etchabaron. Etch. Let's call uh, him Etch. Yeah. Andy Etch uh told the Boston Globe in the seventh I saw a foul ball dropping in the first row of seats. I knew I couldn't reach the ball. But I drove. I dove into the seats, thinking maybe a fan would put the ball into my glove, or I could grab it off the floor. But as I reached for it, I looked around and who was in the seats with me? But Emmett. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> the umpire was up there with them. Yeah. So,
0: leapt yeah, over the, the tarp and up in. into the seats.
1: Yeah, Ashford. Uh, he was like, so he's a, so becoming. A and he's like in his fifties. Uh,
0: like he's athletic, man.
1: Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. That's the crazy part. Like he didn't get to the league until he was fifty-one. Uh, Ashford was a hero, and uh, one night after a game at Yankee Stadium, he walked out with fellow umpire Bill Kinnaman. Uh A boy recognized Ashford and asked for his autograph. Soon after, he was being mobbed by like a couple dozen kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so he apparently signed everybody's autograph. Like didn't didn't let one person of go course. home without an autograph. Of course. Uh Bill Kitteman, who's another umpire, is just, like, uh, just oh, like yeah. sat there. I'll sign your stuff, kids. He's like, get out of here, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Go back home, Bill. You missed that call at third base. <laughs> <laughs> so, not everybody, not everybody loved his style, though. Uh, or the fact that a black man was arbitrating a game of white people baseball like basically still yeah uh so he was uh not
0: really but essentially
1: no but i just mean like the the mannerisms and the, right. the like yeah just like you know it was i know what you ba- mean yeah everybody knows what i mean yeah. it's just like the the it's why why people get mad at bat flips nowadays yeah it's <laughs> it's yeah. just like well, not the way it was before um so <laughs> anyways <laughs> Not everyone loved his style. Uh, Red Sox manager Dick Williams once referred to him as a little clown. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. not everybody was a fan. Uh, And just like any, ump, he had his fair share of run-ins with players arguing calls. So Mm -hmm. still, he's an umpire. Not everybody loved him, Uh, especially there were some teams that didn't. So in 1968, though, uh, throwback, A-Athletics owner Charles Finley uh, wanted Ashford to umpire his home opener and uh, in the inaugural game at Oakland Coliseum, so you like, requested this. Right. Finley was just like, no. "That
0: sounds like Charles Finley. Give me the guy. Exactly. Give me the guy that runs to the foul lines and yells really loud and does the chop and you
1: know." Exactly. Exactly. So at this at this point too, like you like, this is where where it's just like the other umpires had all been working in the league, whatever. A long time, uh, and now he's like becoming uh, a, a, the center of attention. Right. So, for this game, Astrid was due. I'm to am sure ump they. Second lo- base. I'm
0: sure they loved that.
1: Yeah, he's due to ump second base, which I'm assuming if you're in like a four-man umpiring rotation, like the crew chief is umping home plate to start this game. I don't know. Uh, uh, I should. I don't think that it necessarily may- matters. Yeah, no, might not. Maybe necessary. for
0: maybe for opening day, but anyway, carry yeah, on.
1: Exactly. So he was supposed to off second base, but at Finley's urging, he got the move to the home plate assignment. So Finley was like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. We need the chop guy. Yeah. You know, but we <laughs> he goes behind the plate. So the other umpires kind of like, weren't happy about this too. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, this is where it's just like, oh, shit. Like, He's yeah, been whatever. around
0: for a couple of years now, though. Like, fuck.
1: Yeah, but anyway, some of the umpires were not happy with all the attention and the special treatment that he was getting. Fucking um, babies. Well, some of them were racist, and some of them were just, like, resented his exposure and popularity and wanted to be like him. So they're jealous. Fucking assholes. All right, well. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> he, won, he won everybody over. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, they they did their jobs and they didn't get any of the attention he got. Then he got a lot of attention, but also just like shut the fuck up, let him have his attention. Yeah. Why you gotta be mad? Yeah. Um, so slowly his age did settle in, and and uh, uh, the gig on the field, uh, boisterousness became a little bit more restrained. So like he 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 kind of settled in, is what I'm trying to say. He he just kind of like moved in, like after you know. A couple of years, probably after Finley did his shit, was just like, "Oh, I want that guy," and he has to be behind home plate. He probably was just like, "Okay, maybe I should try not to be so much."
0: Yeah, so that guy or whatever.
1: Yeah, um but either way, he settled in. And age fifty-five, though, was the age of retirement for umpires in the AL at the time. Which let me goddamn when tell force you, force you to retire at fifty-five. They used to force you to retire at 55. Jesus Christ. Well, you're an umpire. You have to have the best eyes, right?
0: No, I'm saying that might be a good thing. Like, we got lots of umpires that are old as fuck these days, and they suck. Yeah, Joe West is 68. He's only 68? Yeah. He looks
1: 108. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's not pass Joe West. I mean... (laughs) Like we'll bash him when he actually does terrible things. Like just like let's not just bash him for bashing him. He doesn't um, look a
0: hundred and eight. I just thought he's way older than sixty-eight, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. But either way, at the time they were just like, no, if you're fifty-five, you got to retire.
0: Okay. Uh, but
1: apparently they did play a little fast and loose with the rules. Right. Um. So they they bent the rules, and Ashford uh, went into his final year of umping at the age of fifty-six in nineteen seventy. So.
0: You got a victory lap year.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's see. Lost my spot. 55 was the age of the umpires. So uh, unfortunately, his turn behind the plate uh, was in game six. Or his final game behind the plate it was supposed to be in game six of the World Series. But the Orioles beat the Reds in just five games. So in his final oh, year, no. he finally made it. He finally made it to the world series he was on the umpiring crew for the world series but never got to do home plate oh but uh, he got
0: he got in some games though
1: oh yeah he was okay. he was um like in the other five games though right, right. so <laughs> uh so this was his final year that He got doesn't do seem
0: oh i guess in the world there'd be six umpires right
1: yeah there's baseline umpires right, as well right so yeah Are those so, dudes
0: get home home plate
1: like, yeah even it's a rare these case.
0: Days? It's a rotation.
1: Okay. Okay. It's a rotation. I thought um, those
0: dudes maybe were like the dudes that were like, okay, well you guys get the baselines for a couple years and then you can move on to the infield, you know. You know what? I don't know how it works. I don't know. But carry on. I'm a, we're not yeah. talking. We're not talking about the the, no, the, graduate, the graduated graduated system umpires. of umpires and major. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so 1970s is last year. He makes it to the World Series, uh, but he doesn't get to do behind home plate. Maybe it was just as well. It didn't happen. The World Series would have never been the same, he quipped. So he just like, well, whatever. Makes light of it. Um, I hate the Ashton's- Orioles, so
0: I would have I cost them the game.
1: <laughs> so he umped five years in the big leagues, uh, blazing a trail for black officials everywhere. It was unfortunate it took so long. Uh, by the time he got there, his eyes were way past their prime. Fellow ump Bill Kinneman, the guy that had waited patiently as he was like signing autographs in right, New York, right. said that he was just as good an, as any other ump on the field. But if he had gotten the chance 10 or 15 years earlier, he would have been one hell of an umpire. Ashford reflected on his career saying, It wasn't easy being an umpire, let alone being a Negro umpire. But since the game is the ball player's bread and butter, all he wants is for you to make the right calls. He doesn't care if you're white. Or black Eskimo or Indian. In turn, I worked le- like hell. I was an umpire, not a black umpire. So, nice. right there,
0: yeah. yeah. It's like, don't put um, any distinction on me or whatever. I just went out and did my thing. I was an umpire.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it is pretty amazing what he did. Oh, and no doubt, no doubt, absolutely. But like, and as Kevin said, like, imagine if he had like gotten the chance, even like ten years earlier. And like mm-hmm. 55 or something, like you mm-hmm. know, just throwing a random year that he could have been. You know. I was
0: gonna say, he probably, you know, would. I mean, not that he's like not that well known, like, I don't think that's like that unknown of, of a story per se, but like, you know, he had a rel b- because of its like significance historically, obviously, but uh, you know, that wasn't a long career because you know they didn't let him join the league until he was 52 so yeah, you know
1: 51 but then he 51. had to retire and then their le- age of retirement was 55 so right right it didn't give him long and obviously he got that season at, at the age of 56 um he did uh his celebrity did allow him to appear in a few things like he was in uh, the bingo long mm, traveling all-stars right. and motor kings He's nice. the umpire in that. Got to
0: see that. Uh, that movie looks I amazing.
1: I know. We got to. Yeah, James we got to find Jones. that movie. Yeah, we got a Richard Pryor, yeah. like amazing. Um, so he also got some roles in uh, commercials and like TV appearances. I think he was on like the Jackson Five or something like that. <laughs> he um, was in
0: the Jackson Five.
1: <laughs> no, he was on the TV <laughs> show know. or whatever the Jackson family, whatever <laughs> the TV show was. Um, so he, he died at uh, Marina Mercy Hospital hospital <laughs> hospital uh in uh marina del rey california on march 1st 1980 of a heart attack uh he was si- just 65 years old so
0: oh so 10 like, years yeah after. not that long after
1: yeah so he's cremated uh, uh he's interned in cooperstown new york so his mm. ashes are in cooperstown which is kind of nice
0: kind of nice cool
1: yeah that's very nice yeah Uh so he said uh, another another quote by him uh, to finish it up. I feel proud having been an umpire in the big leagues, not because I was the first black man, but because major league umpires are a very select group of men. But the greatest satisfaction I've gotten is the feeling of accomplishment in doing what I set out to do in the first place when they said it couldn't be done. Nice. That's how at. Emmett Ashford. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that's uh... Yeah, it's a
0: good story. Like uh, I think you kind of t- mentioned it a little while ago, a few episodes before you kind of prefaced it without saying, and it. it like was a story of like triumph uh, through like some adversity and everything, and like yeah, like the bill I forget his last name said, uh, <laughs> you know, it would have been great that to see him. It's unfortunate that we didn't see him ten years earlier. Then we did not that we did, but, um, yeah. yeah. yeah Cause yeah. Clear, clearly he was ready and he was plenty capable and, you know, people speak very highly of him, uh, in throughout history in the past or whatever, yeah. or, you know, uh, yeah. But, uh, it's, yeah. it's good. that It's great that he was able to accomplish uh, what he set out to do, despite that, even though if it was for just a short time.
1: Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I I had wanted to to do this story for like literally months, and and I was just like just learning about the first black umpire. It's just something you don't think about. Oh, we've now this is our third umpire. Episode. So now, yeah I mean, second in a row is, yeah exactly it's ridiculous um so it's it's certainly like a part of like baseball history that i never really you don't really think about because you're not supposed to think about the umpire but not only was Ashford like such a good umpire but he was such a character as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you left his mark is, yeah no doubt it would have been so much fun to see this guy up yeah well, uh but <laughs> thanks uh dude. Are you gonna say something? Wait, one more one more fact. One more fact. Okay. Um uh, so guess when what year the first uh black crew chief was what was the first year there was a black crew chief in the MLB? Nineteen eighty nine. No. Okay. Are you One more tell guess. Me? Oh, ninth, yeah, I'll tell you.
0: Later before that or after that?
1: You're way off. After.
0: I'm way off after. Yeah. 2003.
1: Uh the first black crew chief was Kerwin Danley. Uh, he was promoted to that position in February of 2020. Excuse me? Yeah. So that's February. way too late. That's yeah. way too late. Yep. So that's the first. Really? Yep. And the 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 I'm... first Latino one as well. Same year. Fuck. Yeah. Uh yeah. So yeah, you can look. February twenty seventh, twenty twenty. MLB appoints Kerwin Danley. And Alfonso Marquez as first uh, African American and Latino crew chiefs. So, well, long time
0: coming, but good for them.
1: 60, 65 years. Sixty-five years? No, fifty-five years. Yeah. Uh, fifty-five years for the MLB to go uh, from uh, Emmett Ashford to actually having crew chiefs. Yeah. Uh,
0: wow. Yep. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. And uh, yeah, until next time.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. We were doing the baseball. Uh, talk to you in two weeks. Okay. Bye. <laughs>